0: Welcome back to Field Notes by Ag Choice, an educational podcast focused on inspiring growth in our families, businesses, and rural communities. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Sadison, and with me is Joel Coons. Joel and his wife, Emily, are in the process of launching Odyssey Orchard in central Pennsylvania. The orchard will focus on producing high-quality sharp and bitter sharp apples for the fine and craft cider markets. Joel is also a 2021 recipient of the iChoice Farm Credit Jumpstart Grant, which awarded 15 startup farmers with a $10,000 grant this fall. Joel, thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks for inviting us. We're excited to be here. So Joel, I know there's a lot more to your story than what I shared in the introduction. Could you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your quest to be an apple grower?
1: So I grew up in the state college area. Both my parents worked at Penn State, but my dad also ran a Christmas tree farm on the side. I did go to Penn State myself. I graduated in 2005 with a bachelor's in animal science, but then ended up in the Marine Corps as a tank officer and foreign security force advisor for about 10 years. And when I got out, started working sort of in the corporate sector. I Worked for a small manufacturer in supply chain with a large consumer goods manufacturer, and. Then And got to the point where my wife and I wanted to get back to the central Pennsylvania area. And so we started looking for ways to get back. But also, we really wanted the chance to start our own business, but do something outside. I I don't know that we were ever necessarily solely focused on an agricultural business, but it kind of hit all of those wickets. You know, some people might find it strange, like why would you go into a, a niche farming business if you don't have any prior experience or you you don't feel that like specific calling? And you know, I think it was more about We knew where we wanted to be, and it was less about what the specific business was, and more about whether or not we would enjoy the general work, and if that business could be successful. And so, when you look at the various agricultural businesses you can get to in Central Pennsylvania, apples is one of them. You know, we we noticed this niche market opening that that seemed like you know the perfect opportunity for like, hey, this is exactly you know what we were looking for. We could be in the state college area. It's a good apple growing area. There's increasing demand for a more refined cider product. And, you know, right now nobody's really in that area. And then even better, you know, it's something you can do on smaller acreage. You know, this isn't the kind of thing where you're going to need a a thousand acres to pasture large animals or, you know, produce a forage crop. Just kind of all around, it met all of those, you know, sort of specific wickets.
0: That's great. Thanks, Joel. Always interesting to hear the story behind how how you got to where you are today, right? Right. Now let's talk a little bit more about these specialty apples that you'll be growing. So Joel, what makes them unique? You shared a little bit there about why you decided to go that route, but, but any other uh, information uh, about, you know, why you're deciding to, to do these, you know, sharp and bitter, sharp apples for the cider market?
1: Right. So when we look at American consumer preferences for their adult beverages, if you go way back before you and I, California started growing wine grapes. I don't think anybody ever thought that California wine would match, you know, the European varieties. Fifty years ago, people would have laughed at the thought of California wines being sold along French wines, and yet we know today that California, Oregon, Washington wines are are right up there with the best wines in the world. And it just took the the American consumer's palate. Sort Sort of evolving, demanding a better product. That those California gr- growers found ways to produce it. Moving into our generation, we've seen the same thing with the craft beer market. People think of Sam Adams now as being a, a, a big name brand beer distributed. I think it's by Anheuser Inbev. But you know, when they started out, they were just a little guy trying to produce something better than Bud Light and Coors Light. And again, as that American consumer's palate has evolved, we, we demand more better products from our microbrewers. Now, in that same vein, we're seeing the micro distillery develop, but we're also seeing the rise of craft ciders. So we're seeing a, a demand for a more refined cider product. And much like wine, because cider is made from a fruit, there's a whole bunch of things you have to balance. You can't just grab you know, any old apple cider, go ahead, toss some yeast in, ferment it, and, and, and call it good. There's a lot of science and art to be combined to give you you know, what a really good product. And in order to get that with apples, you actually need to do a blend of various varieties that have different levels of sugars, acids, and tannins. It's not to say that there aren't some single source variety apples that kind of have, you know, everything you need to make a single source cider. It can be done, but those don't necessarily have a very broad appeal. If you want a true craft cider with a very broad appeal you you have to blend different varieties and about 10 to 20 percent of what you blend should be a a sharp or bitter sharp that will give you you know the best range of flavors aromas body and all that you know right now there's not a whole lot of people producing those sharp and bitter sharp apples because really there's you know past the the craft cider market there's not necessarily a very deep demand for these because because of their high acid content their high tannin content they're not you know, this is not something you're necessarily gonna to want to eat fresh off the tree or you know turn into a sweet dessert. You know, they're they're really only intended for that craft cider market. Yeah, no, it's
0: really interesting to to learn there about that niche market that there is and and your endeavor to mm-hmm. do that. So, Joel, you know, you grew up on a Christmas tree farm, but Odyssey Orchard is really an entirely new farming endeavor for Mm -hmm. you. What have you found the most challenging about starting an ag business? What resources have helped you along the way Mm -hmm. uh, as a beginning farmer?
1: I mean, while it started great you know, reaching out to various university extension groups, they have a lot of good publications to, you know, that, that serve as initial reading that that tends to peter out very quickly, because what you find is this is in fact, an agricultural business, you know, it's not an agricultural experiment or endeavor, it's a business. And unlike the uh, the academic world, there's no grant fairy that just brings you money every time, you know, you write a proposal. And so trying to balance financial reality, With the actual costs of starting that business, you you depart from that extension world of theoretically possible and what is possible. And, And so it's trying to figure out my first big payoff is going to be several years down the road. I have to balance how much money do I spend now? To get myself set up for the best return down the road, because sometimes you do in fact have to spend money to make money. But then conversely, you can't just go out and buy all brand new equipment. You can look at an academic paper that says if you don't properly irrigate within the first few years, you could see a reduction in return of, of up to sixty percent, which seems shocking. Like you could lose half of your lifetime profits or more if you don't irrigate properly. But then you go out and you talk to people who have actually done it, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, actually setting up those kinds of irrigation systems on a large scale, you'd financially cripple yourself before you even got a product back." And quite honestly, you know, if your soil's good and you're in the right area, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about it. It's walking the line between lifelong producers and their actual experience versus what you'll find in in manuals and you know research papers where it's like well these people are in fact doing this research you can't discount their information out of hands i mean ultimately from front to back and left to right it's just trying to balance everything you know initial investment to get you the best return down the road while you know trying to navigate the academic information with uh, what other people are actually doing on their own farms Joel, you bring up like a really good point as beginning
0: farmers, right? You don't have mm-hmm. some of that background knowledge. So, needing to do right. all this research, but then you're right, meshing it with reality, I think uh, that's probably a huge challenge and, and frustration, right for, right? for beginning farmers of, of just even getting started. Now, Joel, obviously, you're, you're a startup business, and actually, you know, we're recording this podcast and you don't even have trees in the ground yet. Although, hopefully, uh, yeah, by the time hopefully. the podcast airs, it, they will be in the ground. So, tell us a a little bit about what you envision for the future of odyssey orchards joel
1: <laughs> right well so you know as you mentioned our, our planting date has you know been at the the mercy of the weather best laid plans. Right. And then uh, it it looks like central PA is going to have another one of these non spring springs where it's just 40 degrees and raining every day, you know, and then we'll hit middle of May and it'll just go to 85 degrees and sunny. Definitely a challenge in in trying to to get the the weather and and conditions just right to get trees in the ground. But past that immediate challenge, you know, we we did do a lot of work in developing a business plan and, and trying to lay out you know, a, a realistic timeline for the business's progression. It wasn't just something that we thought would look good to lending institutions or, you know, investors or, or you know, potential customers to, you know, make it look like we actually knew what we were doing. Well, we, we did develop that with the, the explicit notion that this will, this is what will guide us through the next 15 years. But, you know, those kinds of things are pretty dry and, you know, it's, it's painful to read our own business plan, let alone for somebody else to, we kind of joke, but not really the the wave top version is years one to five. Don't mess it up. Don't kill the trees. You know, don't, don't burn the barn down. Don't blow up the tractor, you know, just, don't mess it up. At that five-year mark, we should start seeing the, the significant financial returns. And so we shift into years five to 10, make the money back, get all the loans paid off, pay off the equipment and become financially stable. Don't, you know, discharge as much debt as you can and then from years 10 to 15 which, which you know seems like a long way down the road but you know, you know tends to, to come up on you quicker than you might think that's when we look at the expansion phase and that that one is intentionally left open because expansion could look at planting different varieties. you know maybe we found out that the market is really only interested in in certain types of sharp and bitter sharp or maybe there's something really odd that we never would have guessed people wanted but now that People know they can get sharp and bitter sharp. They're like, hey, there's this one particular variety we really want. Well, if there's a demand for it, hey, we'll try to grow it. We may see how craft cider itself takes off and and maybe there will in turn create a, a demand for peri pears, peri just being the cider version of pears, pears not apples. Or we, you know, we may find that we want to start dipping a toe and develop and producing our own hard cider, you know, and then that is its own whole separate beast to enter, because now you're now you're looking at specialty production facilities, food production, getting all the appropriate licenses. Is and such. That's really wide open. you know expansion could mean one of many different things. In the next five years, don't mess it up. you know in five to ten, just make your money back and then you know from 10 on, well, we'll see what happens.
0: That's great, Joel. Well we'll be be sure to, to watch you all along the way. So mm-hmm. I guess as we wrap up here, Joel, could you share one piece of advice you have for someone interested in starting an agricultural business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say do your homework. Understand that if what you want is an agricultural business and that's what it must be a business. You know, if this is something that you want to do, you know, probably more like my dad did with his Christmas trees, which was like a hobby that made him money when his you know, main job at the university was done for the day. That That's something different. But as a business, you must do your homework. You must look at developing a business plan. Do your mark. research, find out who your potential customers would be, and then go talk to them. Make sure that you understand that there is in fact a real demand, not a hypothetical demand. Figure out, are you going to sell local? Because if you're not, you got to figure out how you're going to move your product to the market you intend to sell to. Because then even though you may think that you're just interested in heirloom varieties of livestock, if your market is in Philly, but you're in you know, North Central PA, well, you'd better figure out how you're going to navigate four hours of state roads with livestock to get them to your market in Philadelphia. The more you plan on the front end the, you know the better positioned you are to deal with the inevitable setback because you know case in point with us right now we did as much as we could to try to figure out how we were going to get these trees in the ground and yet the best laid plans we were supposed to plant on saturday and that didn't happen because of the weather and then the gentleman who uh, you know is going to help us with his shade and flowering tree tree planter you know he's doing his stuff right now. As soon as we're done with the podcast, I'll be back on the phone with him to try to figure out his next available day. You know, and 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 that was something that we've been talking about for the last six months. And yet here we are day to day, just trying to to find that perfect gap in the weather and and equipment scheduling to get things in. You just you got to do as much work as you can before you ever, ever actually get started.
0: Yeah, those are some some great words of advice, Joel. You're right. Planning is crucial, uh, but yeah. be willing to be flexible in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. finally, could you could you share with our listeners, Joel, how they can um, you know, find you online to learn more about you and to connect?
1: Right. Well, so right now we have our website up, odysseyorchard.com. That's still under construction, still haven't quite and got all the the photos and such uploaded, but uh, you can go there to find a little bit about us, the varieties that we're planting. You know, at, at least in the moment, we're not too worried about social media. That'll be something that that comes down the road, hopefully sooner rather than later. But uh, since we are focusing more on a business-to-business sales, you know, we're we're trying to, like I said, in, in our our first five-year plan, there just don't don't mess it up got to, got to put the trees first. So, you know, for right now, it's just odysseyorchard.com.
0: Well, great. Well, Joel, thanks so much for joining me here today to share your story and congrats again on being one of our recent grant recipients.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. We really appreciate it.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review plus subscribe and share it with a friend. As always, you can head over to agchoice.com slash podcast to view the transcript and listen to other episodes. To catch all the latest from us, follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Ague Choice Farm Credit.